Hey everybody, it's Ian here. Welcome back to the Thriving Leader podcast. Now, this is the start of season four. It's the final element of the Energy Leader Framework. And just to celebrate the fact that we've gone into a new season, and because this is a season all about catalytic leadership, I felt it deserved a new theme tune as well. Yeah, it's certainly great to be back. And this is season four. I never really thought we were going to make it that far. And season four is the final element, the fourth quadrant of the energy leader framework. Now, the essence of this journey that you've been on, if you've been with me right from the very beginning, is founded on my belief that as our lives get busy and our self-ambition, if you're a believer in the top end of Maslow's triangle, increases, then eventually and ultimately we hit the laws of physics time and biology, because there's more in our heads and our hearts and our desires than we can fit into 24 hours a day. In fact, more than we can fit into a lifetime. And time traveling being off the cards for now, that means we have an issue that for decades, time management gurus have written countless and sometimes helpful books to tell you that the key is to get more things done in less time. And there is value and truth in some of that, but itself, it's also finite. There is only so much efficiency you can create in one day, and even the slickest well-oiled machine occasionally needs a little bit of rest and a service before we all burn out. So a recap on the energy leadership model. That's why season one focused all on you and your personal energy and well-being. We call this core energy. In season two, we looked at summoning the power of creativity, and that gives us the power to innovate, step out of how we used to do things and invent new ways and new approaches. And finally, to date, season three was all about connective energy, the ability to enlist and onboard others in your pursuit or join them yourself and make the jigsaw pieces stick together to create new and exciting and bigger pictures than you can do on your own. The first part of the energy leader journey centers around you because basically you've got to get your own house in order before you can enlist other people on your quest. Season two in creativity gave you the techniques for personal creativity and enlisting of other people in your endeavor. In season three, we looked at connective energy. We shifted into enlisting the support of others who aren't within your direct control. And now here we are in season four, what is catalytic energy and why it is so critical a skill to develop in your toolkit. Now, what makes this season different to others? Well, so far, everything I've shown you has allowed you, but not obliged you to act, model and demonstrate the things with anyone who's under your direct control. You could have just done it yourself. Now, there's a reason for this, and that's because if you can model the behaviours of energy leadership personally, then you have the right to bring other people into your circle and you can model these behaviours, even though they don't work for you and they aren't beholden to you. And then the next part is really the cherry on the cake, because if you can master this stuff with people who don't work for you, who aren't dependent on you for a paycheck and don't look up to you every day, 
then season four on catalytic energy is something that you get to practice with people inside and outside your reporting lines. Now let's talk about multidimensional leadership. Now every leader has multiple relationships going on simultaneously from close managerial and peer relationships to political relationships inside your organization and through to relationships outside your organization as well. Now, no doubt on your leadership journey so far, you've come across Stephen Covey's circles of influence and control. Now, if you want a reminder, it's that one where you draw three different circles and then you've got on the inside the circle of control, the things you can directly control. Then outside that circle of influence, the things we can do some things about. And then outside is our circle of concern where we have our wide range of concerns. Now, that which we cannot control or influence, we need to decide how we're going to let go. Otherwise, it consumes all, our, all of our energy to the point where we have no energy left to actually work on the things that we can control. Good old Stephen Covey. Now, his concept here was one of efficient time and energy management. And it recognizes that a lot of our energy is often spent trying to manage things that we can't control. So dividing things into three circles allows us to focus our energy on the things that we can do something about. So how does this relate to catalytic energy? Well, for a moment, take a step back and think about Covey's diagram, which starts from the outer circle and ultimately draws your eye and energy to the center. It's an outside-in approach. So catalytic energy is all about reversing the polarity. It's kind of happening in reverse, imagining yourself in the darker circle in the middle, that's you, and catalytic energy is all about pushing and extending energy outwards and through other people. Because you're only one person, you don't have time to exist in parallel worlds, which is what Covey is recommending from a time management perspective. You close down the outside and focus on the inside. For catalytic energy, however, it's not about living within these outer worlds. It's about enabling, motivating and enthusing people within your immediate circle to push outwards and as necessary to push outwards through others as well. So you start to get a movement going and a little bit of you, a tiny little bit of you exists in all these outer worlds. But that's not really the point. The point is people went off to explore and do amazing things in these outer worlds because you made it happen and filling them with energy so that no matter the fact that they're going to bump into a few things along the way, they keep on going. So you're kind of with them, but not with them. Now, if you're a parent, you probably recognize some of this. It's kind of what you do every day. We live in hope that our children won't tread the exact same path that we did, but we do hope that they take elements of our insight and they create new optimistic pathways of their own, and they thrill us then with their discoveries. Now, scorecard slaves out there will have a hard time digesting this logic because typically they panic and say things like, well, what, what gets measured gets done. And how will people know what to do if I'm not there to supervise them? And how will I know I've been successful if I'm not actually where with, there with them directing what they do? And if I make an impact at that level, surely I need a bigger team and I need to have a raise as well. To which people who are really good at catalytic energy we call them catalytic converters, will likely say, why do you think that you alone knows know what needs measuring? Where's that coming from? Why do you think that you have a moratorium on all the good ideas? What really worries you about 
letting go? Why do you not trust that your people are good enough? Why is your need for success validation critical to the change that's truly possible? How are you utilising the skills and ideas that people in your team already hold, but they don't get to share with you? So catalytic energy is purposely relinquishing control. The catalytic converter is on a quest to push outwards. They know they cannot live everyone's lives or be in every place. They also know that pushing outwards enlists the skills and talents of others, and it means honouring those skills and talents, maybe even admiring them. Catalysts live to encourage others to be catalysts themselves. Now, what's the opposite of a catalytic converter? So finding the right word for the opposite to a catalyst isn't straightforward. I don't think you can be an uncatalyst. And Liz Wiseman calls them diminishers, and that's a pretty good term. So if we look again at Covey's circle and imagine, imagine how a diminisher works at the centre, well, actually, diminishers aren't really just at the centre. They're kind of sitting on a throne in the centre and the universe revolves around them. So diminishers hoard resources for the priorities they consider to be important. Diminishers hold a master plan. They direct resources, sometimes skillfully, if not in a wholly motivational way, to get stuff done. But when the job's done, there's nothing left on the pitch. And why do we need to know this? Well, consider this. In our increasingly knowledge-driven economy, we're enjoying a workforce that is more qualified and possibly brighter than it's ever been. It's estimated that the IQ levels of the average population 100 years ago, in today's term, would only score about 73. It's not possible or desirable for leaders to hoard resources and make themselves the centre of the universe. The world moves far too fast, and it's really a road to irrelevance. Now, Carol Dweck, who knows an awful lot around neuroplasticity, showed us that when children were set a series of increasingly difficult puzzles and praised for their intelligence, they became less motivated in trying even the more difficult puzzles, feeling they were reaching the edge of their smartness. But when children were praised for their hard work, for their efforts to think, they created a belief that intelligence grows and that more is always possible, that smartness has no limit. So if you're already a leader of people, you owe it to them to ensure that you are a catalytic converter. If you are not yet leading people, you can still practice the same techniques in your networks, coupling with your connective energy. Until you can change the laws of physics and be in multiple dimensions at the same time, it is the only way to make your impact on the world bigger than yourself. But how's that for exciting? And that's it for this time. I hope you'd enjoyed the first episode of season four, all about catalytic energy. And next week, we're going to be looking at the opposite of catalytic energy and catalytic converters. These are the downward dogs, and we'll catch you again soon on The Thriving Leader. Bye for now.